ابتدایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدافع خلالاد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خلالاد عزیزی باز هم روی زمین گشت سرداراز بود به توی دروازه سرداراز بود گل به نماز بود به برای ایران بزنه کریم ازداری فرد گل توی هرموزه کریم ازداری فرد درموزه پرتبال باست شد علیه دایی صاحبه تو توی درموزه ازداری یه اشتباه حرکت کوچان نجات فرصت بلو کوچان نجات توی درموزه سلام به همه دوستان فوتبال دوستان Welcome back to the Golbizan podcast guys This is the second part of the two part series that we were doing Where previously we talked about play, uh, Iranian national team players that are playing in Belgium, Portugal, Turkey and France Now today is part two where we're going to be talking about the Russian league uh, The Premier League, the Croatian league And a surprise one in the Ukrainian league that many of you may not have heard about I'm joined today by panelists are Arya and Sina. Gentlemen, how are you all doing today? I'm very well, Shayan. Uh, glad to, to be back on for part two with uh, good friend Sina. Yeah, it's always good to be on chatting to, to you, Arya, and of course, Shayan making his second appearance as well. Um, let's hope it'll be a, a good discussion. So now to get into the podcast, uh, Sina interviewed Russian reporter Andrew Flint to discuss about Sardar Azmoun and Saeed Ezotolahi, where Azmoun had a great season where he finished as the Golden Boot winner, league title, cup double, and he kind of was able to discuss what would be a good scenario for Azmoun for his future in if he should stay in the Russian League or move to another team, and then kind of talking about what is Ezotolahi's future uh, in Russia if he should stay with Rostov or he needs to move on. He kind of, those two dive deep into talking about uh, those two's careers and what what they think should happen. I'm now joined by Andrew Flint, our expert on, on Russian football. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. How are you doing? Uh, well, you're most welcome. Good, uh, good, to, good to join the team, mate. Um, yeah, not too bad out here. We've got uh, a very short mid-season break in Russian football. We start next season next weekend. So it's uh, basically no rest for the wicked over here. But uh, <laughs> it's good that football is happening, at least. So, uh, yeah, Absolutely. delighted to talk about it. Um, certain players in Russia. Well, I'm going to dive right into it then. So, obviously, we want to talk about the golden boy of, of Iranian football at the moment, Sardar Ozmoun. But before we go into more details, I was wondering if you can give us a, a little summary about Zenit's season uh, and their performances. Well, I mean, it's easy way to start is just simply by saying Zenit are by far and away the best side in Russia on quite a number of, of levels. They, they've broken quite a lot of records this season for goals scored. Um, they've equaled the most number of wins in a season. There are only 30 games in a Russian Premier League season. They've won 22 of them. Um, they've, they've won the title at the earliest stage that anybody has done in the Russian Premier League era, um, four games before the end of the season. 
Um, and they won the Russian Cup as well. Uh, so that's only the second double they've they've ever won. Um, a few times, uh, about 15, 20 years ago, there were CSK Moscow won it the double a few times. But the one big thing with Zenit is that they just continue to struggle to make an impact in Europe. And that's the only room they have left for improvement. Um, so next season is a very important one for Zenit. Um, and I actually do think they could do very well. They should be aiming to get out of the group if they can in the Champions League. Well, I'm glad you mentioned European competitions because I'm, I'm going to get to that a little bit later on. But um, in terms of Sardar's performances, so he scored 17 goals in the league this season, 21 goals in all competitions, which has been his most prolific season so far in his in his career. Um, how has the move to Zenit helped him achieve this target? Because you've seen him, you know, when he was at Rubin Kazan and Rostov and so on. So how has he de- developed and how has Zenit as a team, obviously being one of the superpowers in, in Russian football, uh, helped him to kind of flourish? And do you think he's kind of hitting his peak right now or there's a couple of more gears to hit as well? Well, Zenit has given him a platform that, that fits his level of ability. He is undoubtedly the, uh, certainly, if not the best, then one of the best two or three strikers in the country. And he's playing alongside Artyom Zuba, who is in the form of his life as well. They both scored 17 goals, which is quite impressive in a 30-game season. And it's, it's interesting because he, I mean, his heading ability is absolutely phenomenal in the attacking third. And I honestly rate him as one of the best headers of the ball in the opposition penalty area in Europe. I really do mean that. Um, But he's quite often played as a single lone target man up front. But now he's playing in a very much in a strike partnership alongside Artem Zuba. Zuba is a big, tall, very experienced, very technical target man, but he doesn't have a great deal of of pace. But he's the, the focal point around which everybody else feeds off him. And, and around Asmoon, he's got the likes of Malcolm, who's come back from a long injury a few, two or three months ago. And there are some very, very quick players out wide, like Sebastian Tuzzi, an Argentinian winger. Um, so he's got the perfect platform. He's got the, the best stadium to play in. He's got the best facilities. He's got a team that are virtually guaranteed to win the title unless they mess it up. It's their title to lose rather than anybody else's to win. Uh, and in terms of how many gears Asmoon has to move up in, I think he does have one or two more. His career before now in Russia, you don't forget he moved to Russia very young when he was, what, 16, 17 to Rubin Kazan. And he followed Kurban Bedev from Rubin to Rostov. And he even went AWOL to force through one of these moves. And at that point, I thought he was almost, and it's going to sound a bit harsh maybe but a bit of a mercenary he was only after his own his own interests I didn't think there was a great deal of loyalty there but I think now he feels settled because he is he's one of the biggest fish in the biggest club in in Russian football now unless Zanit make real progress in Europe then at some point he will have to look beyond Zanit Zanit is a it is a stepping stone club for big talents uh, because Russian football simply can't compete with the top four or five leagues in Europe. So I think he will, he, he deserves a move. Um, but I think he's happy for now because he is going to win titles. And Zanit 
could challenge well next season, I think, in Europe. Well, to be fair, as as you know as well, there's been a lot of rumours linking him to, to West Europe and especially the top five European leagues throughout his career when he was at Rubin and then when he went to Rostov and, of course, now as well. And across the last year, there's been heavy links with Napoli in particular, who ended up sign, yeah. signing Victor Osiman yesterday for around, I think it was £50 million. So considering, obviously, when you take COVID into uh, into things as well, the, the, the summer transfer window has been cut, cut really short. So do you think a move may happen this summer and as you said he seems quite happy in Russia anyway and he seems at his comfort zone with um, with Zenit at the moment but would Zenit want to cash in on him or would they want to keep him for at least another year or two? Well the the transfer window in Russia has been it's, it's quite a bizarre one it will run until the middle of October and most business within Russian clubs is done between Russian clubs. There's not so much movement outside. Um, there is one interesting transfer that's come in. Adolfo Geich from I think San Lorenzo, I believe it is, really promising Argentinian striker has joined CSK Moscow. But that's a that's an exception rather than the rule. With Zenit, they are. It's rumoured that Alexander Kukorin, who's returned on loan, having been at Sochi for six months. Um, People may or may not remember that uh, about two years ago, he was jailed for a year for assault. Um, He went on a bit of a drunken rampage in Moscow and he was being in prison for a year and he came back in in the winter. Now, he, alongside Artem Juba and and Asmund and Malcolm, there's just too many players to fit into Zanit's attacking lineup. And Kukorin is, is likely to sign for Spartak Moscow today. Now, what that means, of course, is that they, Zanita, clearly are depending on Asmund for next season and because they do very much play two men up front. Corin can play out wide, but he is mostly a striker. And if he is not going to be past their plans, and they are releasing one or two other players as well, then to me it says Zanita very much want to hold on to Asmund. And like you say, he's, he's very much comfortable right now because he is, well, like you say, he's had the best season of, most productive season of his career. There's a platform for Zanit to go um, a couple of levels up. They've brought in Dayan Lovren from Liverpool to improve their defence. And I think, I don't think there's any motivation for him to leave just yet. But unless Zanit start making inroads in Europe, I think, I think then we might start to see more serious moves. So this summer, I think it's a bit too soon. Um, but I think keep your eyes on this one because I don't think it'll be long before the rumours become much more serious. And to be honest, one of the key points that I think will not necessarily convince him, but make him more comfortable staying at Zenit is the fact that there is Champions League football on offer. Of course, he played yeah. last season and he will be playing there uh, next season as well. And you mentioned their um, their target to be a bit more competitive in Europe. Do you think the fact that they are so far above the rest of the competition uh, in the Russian Premier League can help them uh, kind of focus on Europe? And how far do you think they can go? Well, yeah, very much so. I, I would say so. It's, it's, I love Russian football and it, it pains me to say it, but um, the competition behind them, Lokomotiv Moscow finished second in the table. Krasnodar have the most potential to challenge them long term, but they really struggle to to string enough wins together in the middle of the season. And I do think Krasnodar will end up being the main rivals to challenge Zenit long term. But even they have had a good seven or eight really serious injuries this season. So 
it's actually impressive they managed to make Champions League football at all. Um, so I think that that Zenit really are in a position to challenge in Europe. They're never not going to win the Champions League. They're a long way off that. Um, but they have they have Wilmar Barrios in central midfield, who is one of the best defensive midfielders um, in European football, and I genuinely mean that. He can play. He can even drop back into defence for periods of the game, and he's very comfortable on the ball. They have a really well balanced side, so um, I think Asmin would be most the most sensible for him would be to stay because he has guaranteed success there. He's got a good salary, he's comfortable. Still needs a tra- an interpreter to speak, uh, despite having been here for seven years. I've, I've noticed actually he posts pictures with him every now and then as well. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's surprising really because. He's very, very popular in the dressing room. You see all of the interactions between him and, and Juba. They're, they're all not quite... Yeah, I mean, for me as a Manchester United fan, I think Cole and York is the dream partnership on and off the pitch. And they're not quite at that level, but they have a good sense of humour. It's always like Juba looks at him as his little brother and he's the cheeky scamp and they, they have a good understanding together. So why break up a good thing, you know? Um, I think I think Zanit will will challenge. I'd be disappointed if they don't get out of their group stage this year. And if they do, as we might think, well, you know what, this is the place I want to be. I'm, I've got a good thing going. Uh, I'll tell you one thing though about you know again bringing it back to Asmi, he's he's a he's a big game player in Russia at least, and he turns up when it matters most. And I think that will stand him in good stead for Champions League football. So um, I'd, I'll keep your eyes on Zanit this season definitely. Well, moving on from Sardar Osman, we do have another player who who plays in Russia as well, um, Saida Zatulloy, who's a, a defensive midfielder. And he was at Rostov uh, with Osman for, for a period, but he's been loaned out uh, on a few occasions, actually, with his latest loan move being to Eupen in, in Belgium uh, this season. Now, I think his contract is expiring at the end of this summer. But again, it's, it's disappointing that a player that looks so promising hasn't really had a chance to play first-team football uh, for Rostov. So, First of all, what's what's going on with uh, Rostov as a whole? Because I've, to be honest, I haven't really heard from them much in the last couple of years. And um, what were they plans with Said? And, and are they planning to keep him? Maybe extend their contract, his contract at the last minute? Or well, the thing with Ezetulahi, like you say, he's a hugely, hugely promising player. And when he did finally started getting some minutes for for Rostov, what was it, about three years ago, I'd say it must have been. And he looked like he was going to be a really important player for them because Rostov have been European challengers for the last three or four years. And since they had Kulman Badev, who brought in a really solid defensive approach, a practical approach, they were so hard to beat. And they, uh, they, did they draw, did even beat Bayern Munich, I think it was, in the Europa League group stages. They played Manchester United and, and you know, made them work for their results. Uh, since then, they, they consistently have problems financially to, to pay their players. And they've used in the transfer market, mostly scouting lower leagues within Russia, to pick out, admittedly, some very, very good players. And some Scandinavian buys have come in with mixed results, to be honest. Um, but with Essen Tolaki getting into that side, at the moment, Matthias Norman is really the main linchpin. And they did have Alexandru Gatskan, who was a Moldovan destroyer. 
and he didn't remotely have the technical ability of Ezra Talahi, but he's still playing in Russia. But um, he played last season for Krylia Sovietov, finally left Rostov. Uh, but Matthias Norman's really the linchpin there. Pavel Mamayev is a very experienced central midfielder, slightly more attacking. Um, and then you have the likes of Daniel Glebov, who came in as a teenager from Anzi Machakskala a couple of seasons ago. So there is a bit of competition for places, but I'm just so, so surprised that nobody's really picked him up more seriously in, in Russia. He had a loan spell at Amkar Piem uh, just before they went bust, and he didn't really play a great deal there. And I, basically the last I've heard is, like you say, his, his contract runs out this summer, and he the, the noise is being made on Valery Karpin. Uh, he's a, a legend of Russian football and is the Rostov coach, who incidentally plays a totally different style to Kurvan Bedev. He's much more attacking. They've conceded a lot of goals this season. And he has has not guaranteed that Ezra Talahi will be in his plans, which is basically translate that for, I, I'm not interested, we're not going to keep him. So I, I'd be extremely surprised to see him anywhere else, but outside Russia. I just don't see anybody in Russia going for him, which is... It's unfortunate. But... Well, like I said, it'll be it'll probably be a bit of a long summer for him trying to trying to find a move because even the loan moves that he had didn't didn't particularly turn out to be a success either. So we'll have to wait and see what happens in the in the next couple of months. But Andrew, I really do appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for your insights, and um, I hope that we can speak again soon. Well, you're most welcome. Man. Anytime, anytime, soon. Right, so we heard what Andrew had to say on both the players that are playing in Russia. Arya, I'll let you take it away first. What were your thoughts on everything that was discussed? And do you agree with what Andrew said about Asmund staying at Zenit for the time being? Yeah, I mean, regarding him staying, I think he should stay for one more season if he's going to play in the Champions League, which he is. Um, if a good offer comes from, from a better club um, in the window... Then you should you should probably consider it and, and go. You know, I don't know if a better offer will come from a, a better club. Obviously, Napoli was discussed. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, for me, I think he should stay. You know, if it, it means he's going to play in the Champions League. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially they also Napoli signed uh, Victor Osimhen from uh, I forgot what team in Liga, but they also signed yeah. him. So that's that's also probably out of yes, yeah, out, out of off the table as well. Uh, Sina, you're the one who was able to dis, uh, speak with Andrew. Uh, what were your what were your views on everything that you guys discussed in that interview? Well, as um, Andrew said as well, and as we all know, it's been a joy to watch Osmond this season. He's been full of confidence in a well-oiled team um, and a team that he's actually had his shoulders above the, the rest of the competition. He's a key member of uh, basically the best team in Russia and of course his goal scoring res- uh, record has shown as well that he's in the best form of his life um, of course as you said the question then becomes does he stay or leave at Zenit and again as as we mentioned in the interview as well um, considering the preseason has been cut kind of short due to COVID it's unlikely that he leaves and I think for the sake of consistency it's probably the right decision for him to stay at Zenit this season hopefully he score even more goals than he did last season. Zenit has already strengthened their squad for this season. I'm already looking forward to see how they do in Europe. Um, of course, he scored a couple of goals in the Champions League last season. If he can continue um, that kind of that, that good record, then he will continue to attract good clubs in Western Europe and hopefully makes a move to try his luck 
in one of those top leagues. Now, with, with Ezatulai, I don't really have anything to add that hasn't already been discussed. Again, extremely talented player, very questionable decisions in his in his career, but he's still young enough to turn this around. And if his contract has ended at Rostov, which I hope it has, then he has to make sure the next move is to a club and league that can help him develop and flourish. Because I think we would all agree that he has a very high ceiling in terms of what he can achieve. Now moving on to England in the Premier League, Cena interviewed A.D. Packham from Albion Roar to discuss Jahanbosch's relatively disappointing season with Brighton in the grand scheme of things. He was able to get a, a more of a bigger point of view of the Jahanbosch situation under Graham Potter. Cuts it back, rifled into the corner, Ali Reza Jahanbosch with the purest of strikes. For Saberi Jahanbosch! Well, I'm now joined by A.D. Packham from Albion Raw Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us, A.D. How are you doing today? Yeah, very, very busy. Lots of uh, just just been interviewing our, our, our esteemed chief executive. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just, uh, just enjoying the sunshine. Of course, of course. Actually, that's that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about, about the podcast. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Albion Roar and when did you start it and, and what was the reason behind okay, it? Okay, well, f- well, first and foremost, we're a radio show. Um, oh, fair enough. And uh, we st- we started doing it 14 years ago. Uh, it was started by some, some people and we kind of took it over uh, 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, we've just gone from strength to strength. Um, and uh, we're we're uh, well we've we've been doing it since before well the the advent of podcasts really I mean it was uh, we 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 saw people were doing it and we just and we were just doing it as a radio show, radio show initially and then we started uh, podcasting it and uh, yeah we would get loads and loads of listeners all all around the world I mean Google Analytics is a crazy thing and you get to know. Um, how many people are listening, where they're listening, right down to the uh, device they're down, downloading it to. So it's, it's, it's scary, but it's, it's, it's great to have a worldwide audience. Um, I'm going to jump straight into it then. Um, obviously, th- there was a managerial change at the start of the season, uh, going yes. from Chris Hutton to Graham Potter. I understand Chris Hutton is popular amongst the fans at Amex course got the team promoted yeah, and very, retained very, him as well very much so i mean he's got this reputation of being the nicest man in football and that that is uh and he's such a a wonderful human being really uh, he's such a dignified man uh with his and the way he, he he carries himself and the way he he speaks and the players held him in such high esteemed um but the time was right for a change he probably had taken this as far as he could possibly go Tell tell me a bit more about Graham Potter. How have the found how have the fans found him this season? I think he's more or less seen as a forward thinking English manager. Of course, he had a great success in in Sweden as well. Um, yes. What were your expectations prior to the season starting? And now that we are here and the team survived, there was some really good results as well. Um, how do you think the team's developed under him? Well, they certainly developed. I mean, when we were looking at the start of the season, um, I, I don't I can't really remember what I, what we were thinking really because it was so long ago. Um, but it was, I mean, we, we were excited by it. I mean, he, he's, he's a well sought after uh, guy. He's um, very well educated. Um, he's got various degrees in, in, in social sciences and, and, uh, and human intelligence. 
and, and, and emotional intelligence. So, I mean, that's that's something which uh, which would be, which would have been new to the players and, and his methods. But I mean, he, he's very tactical, ver- tactically versatile. Um, he he picks he picks sides um, to suit the opposition, and uh, and it'll often change tactics three or four times during during the game, um, depending on how it's going. So, I mean, it's exciting to watch. Um, it has been more entertaining, but the bottom line is we, we we weren't scoring enough goals this season. We've left too many points out on on the pitch. Um, games where we've been absolutely dominant, dominant, and we've had too many keepers have have worldies and too many too much uh, profligate finishing in front of goal. Um, but it it was certainly an improvement, um, and it, it was always going to be a, a season of transition uh, this year. But uh, it's one that. Uh, which is a very, very risky thing to do uh, at, at top level. Um, um, you mentioned the signings. I'm going to get to them a little bit later on, but I wanted to uh, ask you about Alirza Jahanbakhsh, of course. Um, last season when he joined the club, he was the club's uh, record signing. Um, I don't know what the expectations were of him at the time, but from our perspective, from the Iranian perspective, obviously we, we were excited to see him in the Premier League. But unfortunately, I think his performances weren't as great as everyone expected. And again, some people put it down to Chris Hewton's conservative style. Um, and we were excited to see how he will do under Potter. So firstly, kind of summarise how he did in his first season. And, and, and why, why do you think he didn't feature as much um, well, on the Graham Potter this season? Well, what you, I mean, the first season, I mean, what you have to remember, it's the same with, with any player. Um, you know, he, he, he came, he was he was our, our record signing. We were delighted to have him. Um, his showreel was spectacular from his time in Holland. Um, and uh, we were hoping to see big things from him. But um, you're right. I mean, Chris, I don't think Chris really knew how to get the best out of him. Um, I mean, when, people, when you sign someone, uh, a lot of people particular uh, certain members of our support would have looked at the price tag and expecting to hit the ground running um, but you know you're moving to a new com- a new country with uh, new customers new uh, lifestyle different food different climate um, not being away from your family and your loved ones it, it, it sometimes it does take time to settle uh, we thought that Chris should have possibly used them a little bit more in, in that season um, but it, it, the fact that he didn't get a goal or an assist in his first season. I think it was weighing very heavily on him. Um, and the, the guy, the, he, he's such a, a brilliant pro. Um, and, you know, he's good around the place and he's, it was always there supporting the team. But, you know, we just, he just needed one to go in. And, uh, it, and obviously it didn't happen in the first season. Graham's come in. Um, he didn't quite uh, feature as much as he possibly could have done. Um, I mean, the problem the problem with with Ali is he's he's not the quickest. Um, and, I mean, he he's very tactically astute. Um, he, he knows his position. Um, he knows how where where he should be on the pitch. But the way that Graham plays, it, it, it you it have to it does rely on a certain um, element of speed and. And, and, and being able to turn over and work front and back. And, and he wasn't, the, I don't think in, in his time in Holland, he was ever asked to, to do much work defensively. And it was all, all always offensively. And that was something possibly where, where he struggled. Um, but, you know, he did, he did get a, a run of games and he did get that first goal. And if you've seen the, the, the footage of that, just how much it actually of meant course. to him. 
um you know that was one of the moments of the season just to see him like I mean he was practically in tears and then for him to get the goal of the season the week after that against Chelsea which was just a wonder strike uh you thought he'd push on from there but um it's just not quite happened as yet I think he's still very much in Graham's plans but I, I think Ali will probably want more regular football and it is rumoured that he might be going going to Ajax but we don't know how much truth there is in that at all no, absolutely. And as you said I think um, not getting a goal and assist in the first season like you said is important especially for a player that had finished as the top goal scorer in Holland so you know you come with big expectations to to get or to contribute towards the team's yeah. uh, kind of offensive line um, how have the fans seen him then uh, again like you said he's he's more or less seen as a gent- gentleman even in Iran he's known as one of the nicer guys um, what are the fans thinking about him do, do they want him to kind of stick around um, for next season the, the reason I'm asking is because if you look back at some of the signings Chris Eaton made, you look at Andoni or, or Locadio, for example, they've also been uh, not as impressive. So do you think there is a kind of, um, there is a line there where, you know, these players that came on the Chris Eaton not necessarily as good as they were expected to be? It's, it's a good question. I mean, Andoni was, is, um, had, had temperament issues. Um Lucardia um, was, he always looked like when he was running at full power, it looked like he was going backwards. Um, it, it's, it's a risk. I mean, basically, I mean, as, as a football club, you, you, you want to be um, shopping in, 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 in your high end supermarkets. But, uh, but we can't afford to go, go shop at Harrods. So we have to look around and find the value where we can uh, and with what we can afford. And a lot of the time that is in, in the Dutch league. Um, and in the case of Jurgen and Ali, it hasn't quite, uh, it didn't quite, hasn't quite worked. But I mean, there's, there's, I think that there's, he's got a lot of credit in the bank because of the, of the way he carries himself and and the fact that he has got off the mark and he scored that wonderful goal and he very nearly re- recreated it in the in the game afterwards. Um, so I mean, I, I I personally would like to see more more from him. Um, I don't think we know what his best position is, which is um, which is one of his problems. Because is he is he a winger? Is he a number ten? Um, is he a striker? Uh, just got to work out where his his he best fits in with the system if he is to stay. But you know, I mean, at the end of the day, anyone any player that like uh, pulls on the Brighton shirt, I'm going to be a hundred percent behind. I think most of our support. Will think that that they, I mean he did become a figure of fun for for a few a few supporters obviously because um, it, it it didn't quite happen but uh, you know we're we're delighted for the fact that he has got got the goal, that goal of the season and um, you know we hope that he does push on. My final question for you is, and you mentioned signings earlier, and to be honest, Brighton has had a, a busy week <laughs> in the past week, signing or confirming Adam Lalana and of course uh, the centre-back from Holland, Joel Veltman. I think he only got him for less than a million pounds, which is a bargain more or less. It's amazing, isn't it? For, and, for, and, uh, and, for and you bought uh, Lamptey as well uh, in January, which I think he will go on to probably represent England as well as a right-back. He's been really impressive. Um so with those signings, our club then is the club in a position where they have to offload some players? Or and again, you mentioned that you, you're interviewing the chief executive. What what are the club's finances looking like? Do they have to? Well, offload we players did, we like did ask him that question, um, and uh, he flat batted it. Um, <laughs> we didn't get a, 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 an answer out of him. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, we've got we're overloaded in defence now. Um, 
we've got Ben White coming back as well, um, who's just had a, a brilliant season with Leeds, but he, he's going to come back into back into our team again. Um, and uh, so that's something. So yeah, well, there will be players probably moving out of the field. It's rumoured that Shane Duffy might be on his way to Celtic. Um, but I mean, it's. It's, we're in a weird situation. There's not as much money sloshing around it as there possibly was. Um, people are going to have to like uh, tighten their belts accordingly um, with this pandemic and stuff going on. So we have to be sensible. Um, you don't want to be um, one of these clubs that overspends and gets themselves into trouble. Um, we've, we're a very, very, very well-run club. Um, very astute. We have a very astute owner. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot for your insight, AD. Um, again, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Yeah, Thank no you. problem. Thank, nice, nice to speak to you. After listening to that interview, as a big fan of Ali Reza, I love the guy. He's a great player, has clearly a great uh, mentality when it comes to his footballing abilities and himself on the field. As we can see, he never gets discouraged on the, the selections. When it comes to Brighton, when he's not in the starting 11 or even sometimes even on the bench, which is a little bit criminal in my eyes, but I'm not the coach. Coming to next season, as discussed in the interview, it looks like he's most likely going to stay. Personally, I think he should leave. A lot of Iranians would say the same thing, but for me, I mean, I agree with them. I think he should probably stay for the most part. It doesn't look like it's a good situation for him there. As Graham Potter has said, this new style, this quote-unquote new style he's playing, doesn't have wingers, and Jahan Bosch is a winger. He can play striker if needed, but they have the likes of Moipe. If Glenn Murray stays, Glenn Murray as well. So it's like he's kind of, and there's there's also Trossard, who's also can play striker as well if needed. So it's not looking like he's fallen into favor for them. Luckily, he has a good work ethic, a good attitude. He's becoming a fan favorite. We'll see what happens, but I'll let uh, Cena who was able to discuss, uh, who, who was the one who discussed with uh, AD about Jahan Bosch. What were your thoughts of the interview? No, I agree with you, Shoyan. I think we were all disappointed with how Jahan Bosch's season has gone. Um, putting aside the two goals that he scored, including that stunner against Chelsea, he's not really had that much of a chance to prove himself. Now, as AD said, and as you mentioned as well, Brighton's side of play, style of play has changed and has actually improved on the Potter. But the target for them was always going to be to survive in the Premier League, and they achieved it. Now, I know that judging by social media, a lot of Iranian fans believe Potter is the enemy here, and I do sympathise with them, as obviously Jahan Bash has, hasn't had a lot of game time. But ultimately, the manager is well within his rights to choose who he's starting in 11 is. And as you said, he's brought in players like Trossard, like Morpay, and they've played relatively well. And, and again, without playing wingers, it's made it even more difficult for Ali Reza to get into the team. Now, what has happened this season doesn't necessarily mean that Jahan Bach isn't good enough for the Premier League, although I think an argument could be made there. But it's, also, it's more so that he doesn't fit into Potter's style of play and the formation that he has played with. From what we've seen in the last two years, and at this point, the correct decision is to move away from England, to regain some of his confidence and some of the form um, back. And whether that be in Holland or in other European league, that's completely up to him. But as you mentioned, considering the, the season is going to start in, in a couple of weeks, it looks more likely that he will stay uh, for the time being. So we'll have to wait and see what this season brings. Yeah, I totally agree as well. Unfortunately, the season was cut short, so it does not benefit him as well. Arya, do you have any points 
to piggyback off of what me and Cena also discussed about Jahan Bosch? Um, yeah, I mean, look, Cena is saying about the formation and not not suiting his style of play. One of the things that I, I think about was um, Jahan Bosch, sorry, um, that have maybe maybe halted his career in the last couple of years. Not only the formation, but I think his his position that he comes on and plays most of the games is a right winger. For me, he's wasted as a right winger. I don't I don't think that he should be playing as a as a right sided um, winger who who is obviously the, the responsibility of that player would be to to take on the fullback and and deliver crosses. Um, he he hasn't got the pace for that anymore, in my opinion. He he's not the quickest player in the world. He's definitely not not, not the quickest player in the team, and there's no use of having a player like that for that position. I think he needs to go and and play more as, as a number ten or even as a left winger, where he's not relying on his pace so much, because it is halting his career. Him playing as a right winger, in my opinion, is is a waste. Um. I'd like to see him move. You know, obviously, if he goes to Ajax, or for example, a team where the players around him, the players around him are quick, uh, and he can maybe just feed off them rather than being in a team where it's slow, it's defensive, and, and it's not going to work for him. Yeah, I I totally agree. And also to add on with the, the Ajax point, they also did recently sell Hakim Ziyech to Chelsea. So there is that vacancy of they do desperately, not desperately, but they do need a right winger. We'll see. I don't. I really like the points you make with with him playing more as a creative number ten because he is very skillful. He has a background in playing futsal. He's very good with his feet. And then half left winger, like you said, just to add on to it, he can cut instead of as you said going down to the right side, crossing in with his right foot. If you play left winger, you can cut into his right and try to shoot the ball, which we love to see. And he scores lots of goals. But it's all up in the air. We'll see what ends up happening uh, with Ali Reza come the start of the season, which will start next month. Now, moving on to our final interview, where Arya was able to speak with Croatian journalist Yuri Verdoliak, where he was able to talk about Iranian national team right back Mohraimi. And another player that could have a good future within the national team is Mehdi Khani. Hello, I'm joined to, right now by Juraj Verdoliak from Croatia. Juraj, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, doing great, doing great. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, can you just give me a little bit about your yourself and like, any any social medias that you would like to share? Um, well, I am a football writer for Telesport Media Outlet in based Croatia. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter. Uh, actually, I'm on a small break at the moment, but I'll be back on Twitter. You can find me. My handle is Yuraibodoljak, my name and surname. So, you know, anyone want to connect, you can find me on Twitter. Yurai, the, the first question we have for you, obviously, we have two players playing in, in Croatia, Sadaf Muharami and Mehdi Medikhani, but we'll start with Muharami first. Um, he plays for Dinamo Zagreb, the club that won the league this season in Croatia. How have Dinamo Zagreb done this season, in your, in your view? 
Um, well, they've done pretty good. I mean, they, they've retained the title, uh, which is most important thing for them, um, as they did for the most of the past two decades. Um, and they had a pretty good run in the Champions League where they entered the group stages. They just fell short at last step, losing to Atlanta at home. But all in all, they had a pretty good season. Um, they had issues after the restart where they sacked the coach who's, who's led them to Champions League, Nana Bielica. And they had issues coming back from the restart, but they confirmed the title just after the restart. So it wasn't a big slip for them. Yeah, I mean, Dinamo and Zagreb are the, are the best team in, in Croatia. There's no no surprises there. Um, but obviously, Sadek Moharami, uh, he, he he came back into the team in January after his loan uh, with Lokomotiva Zagreb, but we'll come on to that in a minute. But how has he done since he came back? Well, um, he came back in January from Lokomotiva, which is basically a feeder club for Dinamo Zagreb. Um, he had a pretty consistent but quiet spell in Lokomotiva and after he came back in January he actually has done pretty much the same. He's been used quite a lot as a rotation at the right back position. He's done pretty solid. He he racked up, I would think, about one uh, just over a thousand minutes which is not a small amount of time for a player in Dinamo Zagreb. Um, he's done well. He had a brilliant derby just before the coronavirus outbreak. It was the last game was the big derby against Hajduk, which Dinamo won 2-0. I think this, that's by far his best game in Dinamo Zagreb shirt, and uh, he really stood out in that game, um, especially with his defensive work. He's, he's been perfect, and um, apart from that, he's been neat. He's been neat, nothing too spectacular, but nothing, you know, in terms of no no big mistakes. He's been a quiet but consistent player yeah for sure and you know even from our perspective we've been impressed with him how much he's progressed i mean he, he was at locomotiva even i think it was the season before if i'm not mistaken yep. he did show a lot in terms of um like progression from coming from a lower team in the league you know, i think they finished second though but in the day a lower lower team by quality in the league to come up, up to you know zagreb and playing so well you know, yeah. How do you think it helped him being alone? It definitely helped him. Although um, he was in a peculiar position in Lokomotiva as well, because they have one of the most prized assets in terms of players. It was Fran Karacic, who also made the switch to Dinamo this this summer. And um, he's the first choice right back. So the right back position is really important for Lokomotiva. They, they focus all of their attacks through the right wing. So... He he was also important for them. That that suited him well as well for Moharami. I mean, so um, the consistency was really important in terms of him adapting to Croatian football, to first division football, and uh, as a lot of young players coming in through Lokomotiva, it, it was the same from him. The consistency was the the major part in his adaptation to Croatian football. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things um, that I would like to ask you is also the view of the fans, because Moharami is coming to the side this season, or the second half of the season, and he's played on the right-hand side, obviously, but his his partnership with, I think it's Kadzu, Kadzuer, the, the Kadzu, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, has been really, really good. I mean, being a, a right-footed left-winger, and then a left-footed right winger, sorry, and then you've got Marami as an overlapping right back. I mean, it's been a great partner. How how's the how are the fans viewing that? Um, well, you know, he he's a kind of he, he isn't a type of player that's standing out. So you know, he, he is a 
kind of a backup option. He's not really, a, I, I wouldn't say he's not appreciated, but, you know, he isn't in kind of a center of attention. So it's hard to, a lot of people, you know, just consider him as a backup option, uh, which in all fairness he is because they're really crammed up at the right back position. But he fought for his place in the team and people do recognize it. Uh, they, you know, there's a certain level of uncertainty about his future. And uh, will he stick around, for the, especially because of the cuts that are imminent? But people do appreciate him, and uh, especially in the spring part of the season, and especially in the derby I mentioned. You know, that was the big game itself, and to stand up in a big game like that, people, he, he turned attention more on him after the game. So it would be interesting to see if he still sticks around and if, especially because Karacic is now coming in, they have two or three more options there. So it's kind of really crammed up. They have to make the cuts. They have to leave, they have to get, you know, someone out of the team and either sell him or uh, make him a free agent. But, you know, it will be interesting to follow up. Uh, I think he has a contract until 2023, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Do you think, what do you think, obviously you're saying about his future, do you think uh, I've reading I've been reading articles in Iran t- this morning about uh, maybe even him going back to Paris Police, but I think that that's been rejected now. What do you think his future would be at the club this season or or of next season? I'm not really sure because they are, as I said, they're making the cuts. They need to you know lower their budget after the coronavirus, mm-hmm. and I think they want to sell as much as they can or at least release players they don't find. Uh, suitable to go on with them. I don't think Moharami in some other condition, I, I think Moharami would stick around or at least be loaned back to Lokomotiva, which is now playing Champions League football. They need a right back. So, you know, it would be logical perhaps to yeah. go back to Lokomotiva if, if Dinamo doesn't find him uh, needed. But um, <laughs> anything's possible, really. I don't think, although I don't really think because of the cuts that he'll around Dinamo Zagreb this season as well. They're probably going to be more inclined towards bringing in younger players from the academy or right-back position. Well, I mean, um, there was an interview done by Team Millie Talk, one of our, our partners in, in, in Iranian Football Podcast, and they did an interview with Goran Tomic, the head coach of Lokomotiva, and he was saying how they would love to keep him, you know, but they, they can only maybe get him on loan. So, I mean, yeah, if it goes back to Lokomotiva on loan, I think it would be really good. I think they really appreciated him there as well. Obviously, Goran Tomic was, was full of praise for him. Okay, so we're going to move on to the, the other player that plays in Croatia. Um, goes by the name of Mehdi Medikhani. He joined Varazdin in, in the summer last season. Um, how has he been playing for them? Uh, he's been far more in the shadows than Moharami. Um, yeah. He, he, he was brought in uh, through Branko Ivankovic, the coach who used to be a head coach of the Iranian national team, if I'm not mistaken, at one yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I believe all three Iranian players that came to Croatia, all, you know, there's been three of them all together. So they've all been brought in through Branko Ivankovic and his connections in Iran and uh, him as well. Like, he didn't, he had a pretty quiet season. He, he featured in only like, I don't know, 500 minutes or so, even even less, I believe. So he was brought in because Varardin just came into the first division last season, this last season, and they needed, they had issues with um, collecting the squad for the first division. So they need a bit of depth in the in the squad, and they saw him as a good, cheap opportunity to come in from Iran. 
but he didn't make it. I mean, they, they, you know, when once they found the rhythm, they've been quite poor in the in the first half half of the season. And um, I mean, they're close to relegation as well, weren't they? Yeah, the 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 there's you know them avoiding relegation is one of the big stories. Yeah, this of course. And they've done it without him, so he didn't feature much, and I highly doubted that he'll stick around next season as well. I I think he's bound to leave soon. Do you think he'll go somewhere in in in, in Europe, Croatia, or do you think he'll go back to Iran? Most likely, I mean, if I were to guess, I'd say he'd probably go back to Iran uh, right. because he was featuring there, there uh, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. in Croatia, he didn't really stood out. I, I don't believe anyone, you know, picked him up in, in Varazdin because he was playing. He had little playing to non-playing time. So I, I'm not really believing that he's mm. going to be interesting for someone to keep him in Croatia. I think it's Iran, coming back to Iran is the most Possibly. Likely. I mean, I, I've had personal conversations with him. I I, I feel like he's a, a player who, who would like to stay in Europe, but he'd, he'd need to really go somewhere that um, it, it, he would need to know that he's going to get playing time. Yeah, um, you know, I, he didn't get out of Varazdin, which which means that maybe he needs to go to a lower level team, which I mean that would be really really low level, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if it's really worth it. Um, okay, thank you very much for that. Um, appreciate you coming on, and oh, hopefully no we can have you on again soon. Uh, whenever you need me, um, I'm here to give my insight if I can. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sina. What did you see in Mohremi's performances in the league this season with Dynamo Zagreb? And how did Mehdi Kani do in his first season in Europe? I'm going to let Aria go in this first one because I know he's a, he's a big fan of Moharami. He's been following him for a long time. So Aria, let's, let's hear your thoughts first and then I'll, I'll uh, tell you what I think on the back of that. Yeah, I mean, Moharami for me should be the starting right back for the national team. You know, I think he has he's shown that um, this season that he's a very... Um, reliable right back not just attacking I think that's one of the things that people have said about him so many times he's just an attacking right back he likes to get forward but he is very solid defensively and he's shown that in, in the Croatian league and he did really well they won the league um, I don't think Rezalion and Gafuri are, are, are good enough anymore they may be decent for the league of Iran or even the Qatari league but they're not at that level in my opinion um, and they're also ageing as well Um in terms of him staying at Dynamo, obviously Uri said and talked about you know him possibly going back on loan to Lokomotiva. Um, it's a good opportunity for him to do that if he does go on loan, you know, because they are and think they're in the Europa League. Um, it is it's a good you know event you know back to Lokomotiva. He's been there twice, you know. If he goes there, not a bad move for him. But I think he will stay in Dynamo Zagreb. I think he will um, compete with Stojanovic. The the pretty much starting right back for Dynamo Zagreb as a as a backup right back for, for that club. I think you will pop you know definitely uh, get his chance to start some games as well, you know. Um hopefully he does stay because it's, it's it's a good club. Dynamo Zagreb are a very good club. You know, I agree. I think it's quite pleasing to see Moharami finally got some regular football uh, at Dynamo Zagreb. Obviously he waited for his chance and like you said did uh, did pretty well at his loan spell. Um, I think if the club do trust him to to start on a regular basis, um, and of course it'll be great for him to to feature in European competitions as well, then it, it, I would say it'd be beneficial for him to um, stay at Dynamo Zagreb. However, if the club plan to loan him out again, I think it would be better for him to look to leave permanently. 
you're looking at a right back who's 24 years old. And if you're being loaned that, uh, at that age again, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's a great sign that the club really believes in you. Um, I, I know for a fact that he had concrete offers from mid-table uh, clubs in Russia before he moved to Croatia. So if, if he ends up being that he can't play for Dynamo, who are the best team in Croatia, I think for his development, it would be much better if he was to move to another European country and play, play for a mid-table club on a regular basis. You know, we, we talk about regular football being really important. And at this age, this is it. You know, if, if he can't hold down a starting position, then I'm afraid, you know, what, I'm not saying he shouldn't be considered for, for the national team, but it'd be more difficult to uh, to challenge Reza Yon, who at the moment, whether we like it or not, is the starting um, starting right back. Now, as far as Mehdi Khani is concerned, I was pretty surprised, pleasantly, uh, to see a player like him move to Europe in the first place, and that's always a good sign. Um, if he can stay at Varajdin and, and work hard for his chances, then great. But um, I, I'm, there's a part of me that's kind of afraid that his European experience may turn out to be similar to Ali Karimi, who moved to Dynamo Zagreb from Sepahan. The move didn't quite work out, and he had to go back to Iran and is currently playing for Esterlad. We want to see more players like Mehdi Khani make the move to Europe, even if it's not one of the top European leagues, to develop their football. But we, will, we also want to see them persist through and, and continue to stay in Europe, even if their initial experience may not have been as great as they would have wanted. So I think even if even if Varajin were to let him go, uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't know what the situation is, but if they were to let him go, I want him to kind of stick to, to playing in Europe, maybe find another another club in uh, another country. I think just on Mehdi Khani, because I, I forgot to speak about him, I think Mehdi Khani is a guy who, like like you said, Sina, is, is very talented, similar to Delphi, for example, but like you said, he needs to find a club. Like, for example, let's see, let's just say he goes to to Lokomotiva, for example. He needs to find a club that are looking to develop him. I don't think when he went to Varazdin, um, as Uri said, they weren't really looking to develop a youngster. They were looking to bring in a player just to fill in a gap that was you know that was void. And I think that's not what he 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 needs. Whoever his agent oh, his agents are, have to look for a club that are really. Um, looking to develop up a youngster, which at his age is the most important thing, um, you know, and hopefully that happens. So now moving on to the final part of today's podcast, I wanted us to discuss this. As many of you may not be aware, we do have a player currently playing in the Ukrainian Premier League. His name is Shahab Zahedi. Shahab has been, had a pretty good start in his career for Olympic Donetsk. He has scored six goals in all competitions for his team. Arya, what do you think of Shahab? Do you think he could be a good player that could end up playing at a higher level, being in upper echelons in Europe? I'm pleasantly surprised by Zahedi. I think he's he's really progressed in his career. When he went to um, Iceland, he was playing for IBV in Iceland, um, and then he obviously moved uh, to uh, Ukraine with um, Olympic Donetsk. He's done brilliantly this season. You know, he's scored, I think it was six goals. He got player of the season for his club. Um, managed to battle relegation and stay up in the, in the Premiership, Premier League of the Ukrainian um, League. And he's done brilliantly. And I think he's a player who could definitely get considered for a call-up. Should any, like let's just say, like Tarimi gets injured, Osmo gets injured, he can somebody can maybe fill in a gap in the national team should it be required. 
um, regarding him moving to a different club. You know, maybe he could stay in, in Ukraine. Maybe a team like as as Real Luhansk, who I think they finished top five in the in the league, that could be a good club for him. Maybe go to a club at, in Belgium. You know, again, it's the same as we as Sina was saying in previous or the previous players like Metehani Mohamed need to get consistency in their in their in their game. He hasn't started all the games for his club just to make just to be to be to be um clear. So he needs a club that will offer that. So yeah, let's see how he progresses. Yeah, I mean Zahedi is an interesting case. He was considered to be an extremely talented striker when he was coming through at Perspolis and I think Perspolis really believed in him as well. But around five or six years ago, while he was still at the club, he tested positive for doping and using illegal substances and was then banned from football for two years, if I remember correctly. So that kind of put back his career massively. And when he eventually left First Police, as as you both said, he made that move to Iceland, which was surprising. But he had a great time there. Um, he won a trophy uh, with IBV as well, which was obviously great for him. Then a, a, an exciting move came along to Suwon Samsung in, in the K-League, one of the bigger clubs in the K-League in, in South Korea. Um, but unfortunately, after Suwon found out about his history and the doping scandal, they terminated his contract after a few weeks, which I'm sure it was a great disappointment for him. Now, he's at Olympic Donetsk, as, as we said. He's had a solid start to his career, six goals in all competitions uh, for the club, but he's 25 now. If he really wants to make an impact in the kind of the bet- better leagues or better countries, or at least even for a better club in Ukraine, he needs to be a little bit more consistent. He needs to improve his his end product, not just scoring goals, but assists as well. In the last episode, um, Aryan Pejman discussed Mehrdad Mohamedi, who had an incredible season uh, with Aves in, in Portugal. Uh, you know, with club, I think that was relegated, but his stats were amazing, and he'll be looking to make a bigger move. And Zahedi needs to emulate that um, season as well. You know, improve his, his stats a little bit, and hopefully get get a uh, bigger uh, bigger move. I'm not sure if he's good enough at the moment for for the national team. I think uh, there are much better players, of course, as we said, in playing in Europe, but also in Iran, there are players um, in his position that can do a better job. Uh, than him, but for his own career, for his own ambitions, if he wants to play in a better European league, then I think he has to improve, um, as I said, his um, his end product. Well, everyone, that is the end of today's podcast. Merci, Bahame, for listening to today's episode. We really appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you to all the journalists and experts that came on to give us their insights about the players that the Iranian national team players that are playing in these domestic countries. And thank you to the panelists, Arya, Sina. It was awesome speaking to you guys today about all these players. But most most of all, thank you to everyone for listening uh, to the Gold Bizan podcast. If you aren't already, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Gold Bizan. And if you're listening to us on any of our podcast platforms, make sure you listen to us on YouTube as well. We recently uh, launched our YouTube channel, so make sure you go subscribe to us. Just go into that search bar, search up Gold Bazan, and you guys will see us right on there. So make sure to, uh, to subscribe to us on there as well. We'll be back in another couple of weeks, hopefully, for another a great episode, and we hope you all have a wonderful day. Hi, it's Dr. Craig Duncan, and you're listening to the Gold Bazan podcast.